You, know, you, you got a church full of wonderful, faithful people here. I think a lot about the church. It's kind of my job. And some things that come to mind for me these days is the fact that you can go anywhere and even go nowhere and hear wonderful preaching, uh, great preaching. You can also hear great music. I mean, maybe not as good as what you hear in here on Sunday morning. But you, you can hear the best, most thought-provoking sermons at the click of a button. Which makes me wonder about the nature of the church. And I, and I think the church at its core is just the, the wonderful, faithful people that make it up. In fact, I think that is the church. The church is the work of the people. And so we're taking these four Sundays to shine some light on how the people of this congregation are living out their faith, how their faith is growing, maturing, and finding expression. Hopefully you were with us last week, either online or in the room, or you've had the chance since last Sunday to see uh, what Russ Dunlap shared about his faith and how it's finding expression for him in his work. And this morning, uh, I want to lift up for us another member of this congregation by the name of Jim Atkins. And uh, he says that he's better known around here as Cheryl's husband. And if you've participated at all in the Thanksgiving food drive that this church does and has done for years, you've probably spent time with Jim and may not have even realized it. He's also one of the confirmation mentors this year, as Stacy lifted up during the prayer time, our confirmation that begins today. But I asked Jim if he would share with us uh, how he is, his faith has found expression in his garden. And, and I want to read for us the story of the first garden to preface the conversation that Jim and I had. I went over to his garden and we sat and had a conversation, recorded it, and I'm going to share that with you. But first, I want to invite you to listen to Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 through 31, part of the creation story. God said, let the earth produce every kind of living thing, livestock, crawling things, and wildlife. And that's what happened. God made every kind of wildlife, every kind of livestock, and every kind of creature that crawls on the ground. God saw how good it was. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food to all the wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes. I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything God had made, and it was supremely good. There was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. So I'm here in the backyard garden with Jim Atkins. And uh, Jim, I appreciate you being willing to participate in this way. 
and um, tell us a little bit about gardening and what that has meant for your faith. So would you start just by telling us how you got into this? So I grew up with gardening a little bit. My, um, my dad grew up, you know, his early years on a farm. Um, we used to go back and visit his relatives every other weekend. It was a trip to Mississippi and Alabama and all the relatives owned farms. So every uncle, every aunt had a, you know, weekend garden, 20, 20 acres with corn and peas. And so really growing up was a lot of spending time planting, picking, shelling, freezing, preparing, canning. Um, and then as I got older, I didn't really like growing vegetables that much. Um, and I got into roses, actually. I had a very large rose garden and berries, uh, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, things like that. Um, and I, I did that for a while. And to be honest, is I, I changed jobs and started traveling and just got away from it um, and just kind of dropped it for 15 years or so, 20 years. Um, and then when Cheryl and I moved to this property, um, this house we bought, you know, the, the uh, gentleman we bought it from built a place in 1962. He was a master gardener and he had spent 50 years creating um, a space. Um, and, and so as we saw that, we kind of reinvested ourselves and, you know, started back into getting into gardening. I think Cheryl hadn't really participated in that much, but having seen what was here and, and she's really gone into it and, you know, replaced several things, but started a vegetable. We've added two. She added a vegetable garden that wasn't here, added an herb garden. Um, and we just kind of, I guess it was the opportunity was there and we kind of dove in and, and, and found it, rediscovered it is a better way to put it. Um, and, and I knew about it before I even met you guys, because I mean, you live right here on Hart's Mill Road, just around the corner from the church and there's the big metal moose sitting up by the road. So if you drive down Hearts Mill Road and you see that metal moose, that's where Jim and Cheryl live. And then there's this whole garden oasis back here uh, that you might not even realize is here as you're driving by. And that brings to mind for me the scripture that we've read today, which is about creation and God creating. Mm -hmm. And particularly where God creates humanity and creates humanity in God's image. And so we get this sense that we are created uh, with the image of the creator. So created to be creators, to join in that creative work, but then also created and given uh, this commission to, well, it says subdue the earth or some say to have dominion over the earth, but really there's more to it than that. And, and I think that's what I hear you talking about. Would you say a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think rather we don't really see ourselves as creators. We, what we see ourselves are as stewards. So God gave us resources and our role is in managing those resources and helping those resources to reach their maximum potential, hmm. right? So it's, you know, I. It, I'll give you a, an example, one that I think of occasionally. The, there's the story of the, of the sower, right? The parable of the sower. And they talk about, you know, where you cast the seed and casting it on poor soil, on good soil. Our, the way we look at it here is, is a little bit different, is taking poor soil and turning it into good soil. There is no poor soil to cast seeds on. So if there's a spot, you know, in here where the soil won't support something, then our role is to 
improve that foundation to add to it to build it up to to bring in the you know the, the hummus and the you know plant material and the compost and other things to build it up and make it better and then continue to plant so we see it more as managing the resources god gave us and taking those areas that maybe aren't as good as others and working to make them better and improve them and bringing bringing them up so to speak yeah and helping to bring forth life like right. to, to give it the space and the resources needed to reach its full potential right. uh, to grow and 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 i do see that in the creation story you know mm -hmm. that god is bringing forth life and then god gives us the opportunity to participate in that work in the world and in nature and, and I mean, it's just obvious all around your property mm -hmm. how you all have taken that to heart quite literally right. uh, to help bring forth life uh, and give it space and all that it needs to grow. And it's, it's really beautiful and, and peaceful yeah. and, and calming. I, I love it here. Um, there's, there's a couple of plants up front that you had told me about. And, and so we're going to take a walk and go up front and let you tell us specifically about a couple of plants that are there and some lessons in life and in faith that you've learned from growing those. Hey Jim, part of this series, The Work of the People, includes us sharing lessons we learn about life or faith from the things that we do. And I know that you've told me about lessons you've learned from your work in the garden. Would you share a couple of those with us? Sure. So there's probably two of them that I think are the most important to me um, that, you know, from the garden that I also carry over into everyday life. You know, one of them, and I'll use examples from the two plants we have behind us here, is don't blame the flower for failing to produce, right? You have to look at the environment that you established for it. Does it have the right soil? Is it getting the right sunlight? Is it being watered appropriately? Are you setting up that plant for success? And so I'll give you an example from this fig here. This fig tree actually came off my great-grandfather's farm. So my dad about 30 years ago went and took a cutting about that big three four inches tall and rooted it and then he planted it over his house and over a 25 year period it grew up to be about three feet tall produced one or two figs a year um, it just never performed and so one day as, you know after we moved in here he brought it by and said hey you know you want this and so i took that plant and you know, it was root bound. It just, it was not set up to grow. And so about five years ago, we put it in the ground. We you know, prepared the appropriate foundation. We put the right soil in. We got it in the right spot to get the appropriate level of sunlight. And over a five year period, it's grown up into a vibrant tree that probably produced, I don't know, 10, 15 pounds of figs last year. The other part, you know, is, is there's a level of patience, right? So one of the sayings is that you don't eat the fruit the day you plant the seed and this asparagus here is a good example of it so you know when you plant asparagus the first for the first several years you don't actually get anything from it right you're actually putting them in the ground establishing the appropriate foundation nurturing them and so the first year you don't take anything the second year you know you get maybe 10 percent of a of production and it grows you know, percentage every year and what you're really looking for is to wait four to five to six years before you actually start trying to harvest 
any of the of the asparagus from these plants because what you're really doing is establishing establishing their base right you're getting their firm roots in the ground um, getting them to become vibrant plants before you try to turn them into something that you are then able to take something from yeah that makes me think of um, faith in those terms right that there's something to be said for a firm foundation for going through the work and the effort mm -hmm. and investing the time and energy to put a good foundation in for a plant, just mm -hmm. like for your faith and your own life. But then also, like you said, the patience to know that you may take some time before you see fruit come from that. And so not only to be diligent and do the work, but also to be patient as you wait for the uh, production uh, or the fruit of that plant. Man, that's incredible. Thank you. Jim, I know another lesson about life and faith that you told me you've learned from the experience of gardening is about the interconnectedness of it all. Right. And, the, and the, it's you know, in, in two different forms. One is the sense of community around gardening. So, you know, if you look at in gardening, there's so many, there's groups, there's people, there's support groups, there's people that can, you know, help you learn and grow and, and learn about how to plant things. And, and even, you know, and it's kind of funny to me, the, the Cheryl's three favorite plants in this, in, in this garden um, weren't ones that we went out and found ourselves. They're actually ones that people gave to us as part of this community. Um, one of them, and we found this out after we moved in here, was there's uh, Lenten roses that were all around the property that we found out later um, Betty Robinson um, had dug up out of her yard and gave to the previous owner of this house. Wow. And they have multiplied and they're actually, there's literally hundreds of them um, that are spread throughout the yard now that came you know, from, from, her, from her own garden wow. uh, as a gift. Um, the fig tree, um, which was, you know, came from my dad and came from my great-grandfather's farm in, in um, that one was in Alabama. Um, and then the hibiscus that, that's up front that you, you'll see with the flowers, you know, flowers all over it, um, was from one of the neighbors that we were just standing there talking to and she was out working in her garden and she says, do you want, you know, this hibiscus? And so we planted it, it's a hardy hibiscus, it comes back year after year. And it's, you know, prolific with its blooms, it's quite beautiful. And so, you know, there's an element of things that were gifted to us as being part of the community and being connected in the larger community here. Um, and then the other part is your, you know, my connectedness or a person's gardener's connectedness to nature. So having your hand in the dirt and recognizing that, you know, as I plant this plant, it's going to bring in, uh, you know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, was... You know, this plant brings in bees and butterflies. Those bees and butterflies pollinate the vegetables. The vegetables feed us. They also feed some of the wildlife around here, much to my dismay. Um, and, you know, so you have, there's, there's a, a level of being connected from, you know, putting your hand in the soil all the way through to supporting nature all around um, and, and having it grow. And there's a kind of a sense of awe and wonder in all that. Hmm. I love that, that you describe how gardening is a collaborative effort, that it, it connects us with each other, and, and that's so true of our faith. I mean, our, our faith development and growth isn't ours to do alone, but right. it, it's something we share with each other. But then also, 
the fact that it also connects you to creation itself. Like, right. like you said, your hands in the soil, which is very much, I think, what we find in that uh, scripture in Genesis, that, that God is inviting us to put our hands in the soil right. and, and tend to and steward and care for creation and nurture it. And, and it connects us to one of the primary reasons we were created. Uh, as stewards of what all that God has made. So uh, that, that's beautiful. In November, mm -hmm. you guys had a big challenge right. that hit unexpectedly, and, and it impacted your garden all the way around. Right. Would you tell us about that? Sure. So as I said earlier, you know, we, we purchased the house from the, the, the person who built it in, in 1962. And he had, and especially back in this area back here, he had over a you know 50 year period, had built up this really beautiful, beautiful garden. Um, the unfortunate part of it was that he built it over the top of all the septic lines, right? Um, and so in November, you know, life's challenges, right? I got laid off uh, from work and the very next day I'm standing out in the backyard and the septic line broke and I'm standing knee deep and my own refuse. Um, literally and figuratively. Liter literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. And figuring out that we got to start over. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had to come back in here and, and all the you know, specimen plants that, that had grown up over a period of time. And we had you know, eight 50-year-old uh, hickory and oak trees that were actually planted in here amongst us. And just we had to take everything out. So it was all reduced back to red clay with the exception of those camellias right there. So that those four camellias right there were the only thing that was saved, and the rest of this was a big field of red clay. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's, it's it, kind of like, you know, as we've talked about, there's corollaries with life. So it's, it's one of those things where you look at it as a setback and a challenge, but it was also an opportunity, right? It was an opportunity for us. So we had inherited something that was, had been built up over a 50-year period, and it was nice. But it wasn't ours. It was something that you know someone else had developed, stewarded mm -hmm. um, over a period, and it gave us the opportunity to really step back and rethink what we wanted this to be, um, and it allowed us to reimagine, have a rebirth of the garden, a reimagining in a way that suited us and the way that we wanted this garden and how we wanted it to support the larger, you know, uh, uh, nature. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like, like so many things in life where something that comes up as a challenge, comes up as a setback, can also be, if you have an you know, the attitude for it, can also be the opportunity to, to start over, to start fresh and to build something new better than it was before and the way that you want it to be for the future so you're not stuck with 50 years ago but you're actually now future focused and set for the next what am i almost 60 so the next 30 years yeah right? and so and that's kind of the way we looked at it was we're setting this up so that this is our next 30 years of the way that we want it to be the way that we like it to be to support the types of things that we want to support. And isn't that the beauty of being co-creators that gives you the opportunity to imagine and reimagine and develop 
and also stewards, mm-hmm. you know, to care for and nurture and grow. And, and we come to moments and, and opportunities in life personally and in our faith and, and right. collectively as the church right. where we get a chance to reimagine right. and, and recreate. Uh, for the future. Right. So instead of having carrying on something that just because it's been that way for the last 50 years or 60 years, there's times when it's right, sometimes by choice, sometimes not by choice, to actually step back and say, what do I want the future to be? Hmm. What's my imagination of how, you know, not the way it always has been and doing things just because that's the way it's always been, but what's the future going to be? What sets me up best to go forward rather than kind of looking back? Um, and it's, you know, much like, again, church, faith, to the community um, is kind of the same thing that we're doing right here in our own backyard. And I don't know the master gardener who lived here before you, but something tells me he'd be happy that you have stewarded this mm-hmm. and envisioned and, and put in place a beautiful garden that, that may look different than his, but it, but it is what he did. And, and you're following suit. And I know you said there are some things that are still here mm-hmm. and some things that you transplanted. Right. Uh, you mentioned specimen plants that, uh, that were here before and you've transplanted some of them. And so they're still here. Right. Their beauty is still here. Right. We carried over some of the old things, but also replaced it with some new things. Yeah. Right. Man, that is a great lesson for life. I appreciate you sharing it with us. I'm sorry that you've had to go through <laughs> that personally, but it's an opportunity for us as a community to learn and grow with each other and from one another's experiences. What would you hope that somebody would learn? I know you said about the foundation and the importance of the foundation, um, but is there anything else that you'd want to leave folks with um, when it comes to how gardening and, and tending to creation can nurture your faith and your life? Well, some of the things, you know, as you look at, I think the world as it is today, it's busy, right? There's phones and there's you know, texts and slacks and emails and there's just, there's activity, there's activity all the time. And a lot of times coming out into the garden, we've talked about connectedness and we've talked about, you know, putting your hands in the dirt, but it's also the time that gives you a little bit of peace. It gives you a little bit of a slowing down, right? And time to think and a little bit of quiet and a little bit of, of getting centered with yourself and centered not just centered within yourself but centered in the world mm-hmm. right you're kind of getting back to a little bit a little bit of a little bit of basics and and I think that taking a few minutes each day sometimes a few hours each day to connect with the world connect with the community find a little bit of peace a little bit of quiet, um, I think, helps people um, in their just their mental health and their overall attitude and, and approach to life. Hmm. That's beautiful. And I told Jim I really appreciated him welcoming us into his backyard, into his life, into his faith, and and be open and vulnerable a little bit with um, where he's at and what they have going on. And and I don't know. I hope you heard in there. Uh, something for your own faith, just about the significance of connecting with creation, uh, how we find there the opportunity to steward all that God has created and given and entrusted to us uh, to find some peace and some centeredness in the midst of a busy life. 
the importance of things like a firm foundation or patience as our faith develops and grows, the interconnectedness of it all, uh, us and one another and all that God has made. But another hope of mine and of Jim's is that it would, maybe just hearing him share would encourage you to look into your own life and see where things that you do, uh, things you work on, things that you're involved in, where you can find lessons for faith and ways that your own faith finds expression and matures and grows. And then consider maybe sharing those with one another because that is the work of the people. That is the church, God's kingdom at its best. So I want to ask you before we finish our time of worship together with a song, if we could pray together and just make it our prayer. That we would know together our place and our role in creation to care and tend to it and steward it. And we would also look for where our own faith is growing and finding expression in what we do. Oh God, in the story of creation, we're taught and reminded that it, it's all yours. We're yours. And that you created us with a place where we belong, participate, contribute. And we give thanks for people like Russ Dunlap and Jim Atkins who are willing to give us a window into how they see that playing out in their own lives. And we give thanks for the places where it plays out in our lives, where we see ourselves growing and contributing. God, we ask your blessing on Jim and Cheryl, on their home and their garden. We ask your blessing on us. As we care for what you have entrusted to us. And as we live out our faith together. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.